All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Tip of the Spear. And we, um, we've been discussing it a little bit. Uh, we've been thinking about changing the name. Um, we sh- probably should have thought about it a lot, a lot earlier on, but for some reason it's, it's really difficult to kind of just think something that's, you hear the name and then you relate to what it's about to talk about. But anyways, I'm your host, Victor, uh, with my co-host, David. Say what's up, dude. We're pogues, bro. We can't have the tip of the spear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're, we're really, we're really not even the tip. And, um, and that's why I was like really thinking it's probably more appropriate to change it to something less serious. Cause when you think tip of the spear, it sounds, it sounds very, very serious. It sounds like formal, extremely formal, you know? I mean, I, I wish we can say we were SF guys and stuff, but I mean, we're not, we're pugs. We <laughs> work on jets. <laughs> I, well, I mean, so to pick up from last time, I'm out of the military. I've, I've been out of the Marine Corps. I was in the air wing and I worked on Hueys and Cobras as an avionics tech. Um, Davin was working in avionics for F-18s, right? Yeah, F-18. Yeah, so we were both in the air wing, and we both experienced a completely different side from what, like, the general public would typically think that the Marine Corps does on a daily basis, and a lot of it. How would you describe your experience in the air wing, David? Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people talk trash about the air wing. You know, they they call us pogs, say you know, you're, oh, you're not really a Marine, blah blah blah, but. I loved it, man. I mean, I didn't exactly like working on what I worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more of like a, a hands-on guy, which I was doing hands-on work, but it was more electricals. So I, I was like chasing wire diagrams. Um, I wasn't soldering anything, yeah. but still, I'd have to find that resistor that was blown. And that's just, I don't know, that's, that's not my forte. I don't, I don't really like it anymore. So- I guess... That's one of the many reasons why I went back into the military, actually. So you, so essentially you just like, didn't like the, um, the technical side of the MOS that you had, right? You wanted something yeah. a lot more simpler than that. Um, I guess, I guess I could say this is more like command base, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of downtime and anyone in the military knows when there's downtime, that's, that's fun time for the higher ups. Yeah. So we just we just did oh yeah shit like, quote unquote fun <laughs> yeah fun no I mean I don't know because I so where where I'm at now in the in the army mm-hmm. uh, I have another buddy who he was in Hawaii I I forget what platform he worked on but he was avionics too and he said the same thing like. You know, he was a, a night shift guy. He was a night shift CDI. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't know what a CDI is, it's just it's basically like a like a McDonald's supervisor. <laughs> you, really, you really don't have uh, much say, but you you can tell them how to flip the patty a certain way, I guess. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Accurate. Yeah, he was, he was saying they did runs almost every week. And... I, I don't know, this is like a whole nother topic, but like, if I'm being told I have to run a 5k with like a hundred other people, I'm not going to like it. 
Right. But if they're like, hey, in two weeks, we're going to have a PFT, you should probably, I don't know, run a 5K here and there, try to go out there and run. I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, you know what? <laughs> He's right. I should yeah. probably prepare myself. Right. But when you force me to do it, I don't want to do it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, what I can say about the Air Wing and the Marine Corps is that it was really just weird to sum it up in a single word, to be honest, because they were constantly saying, like the NCOs in my shop, and I had this, I had a lot of, you know, um, I had a lot of conflicting leadership where some of them would say, focus on your job and understand your job to the T, and then the others would say, or well, there was just one in particular, there was one uh, saying, you know, you're a Marine first, you got to be able to be physically fit and, and, you know, reflect on all the, <laughs> reflect on all the Marines previous to us. And like, he was, he was citing um, John Bassalone and Car um, Carlos Hathcock. Of course. You know what I mean? And these, these are ordinary men who've done extraordinary feats under the most extreme circumstances and i mean yeah we were in garrison for most of the time but you know the the work schedule was just it was a, a grinder and i mean we would be up at i would be up at and since like my barracks was just away from like five five minutes away from uh the hangar uh on k bay um i'd be up at like four forty. Or like yeah, zero four forty, zero four forty five. I'd be at the shop by, or ten before zero five because you know the whole fucking. If you're on time, you're late. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Blah blah blah, and it's just like all right, whatever. Um, and we'd be we wouldn't be getting off until like maybe seventeen. 18 19 sometimes and i would still go to the gym for like two hours after after all that crap throughout the day and i mean i was i was capable of doing it but later on you really realize that it takes a toll on your fucking body it wears you down quickly oh yeah i mean you know granted running a pft and and the humidity over there was completely horrible but you know, the same, the same NCOs who were saying like, you got to be, you're, you're a Marine, you got to be able to do this, this, and this, you know, were the same ones who were capable of only doing three pull-ups and they were proud of that. And I'm just thinking, okay, you know, this is weird. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand how you're telling me to stop being a piece of shit when you're only able to do three fucking pull-ups. See that that's one thing like I have a I have a problem with and I'm sure it's not just in the air wing either because there's leaders like that all over. Because right. you know you have your, your mentors and your mentees and when I was a Lance Corporal, I had a corporal he was a corporal then got promoted like maybe like a month or two after I was his mentee, uh the sergeant. And like like you said, this guy he was a turd, like straight up. He was just a turd. He couldn't run, couldn't do pull-ups. Every time we had a little PT session, like he would lead it. And that's not because 
you know, he was high and mighty, but if he didn't need it, he would be the, the one in the back. Mm-hmm. So he, he knew that. And he's sitting there lecturing me because I, I think I ran a PFT or a CFT. And, you know, he was giving me my monthly counseling. And he's like, yeah, you know, you could you could bump this up. You could bump that up. Uh, I just feel like you didn't really, like, try enough or something like that. <laughs> and, like, I, I wanted to say, like, dude, like, the hell are you talking about? Like, do you want to go run a PFT with me and see who gets a higher score? Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> but... No, that's just one of those times you gotta drink the juice, you know. Yeah. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, and that's it's unfortunate. Like, how 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 did you perceive the core before you enlisted? Like, what made you enlist? Essentially, like, your what did you perceive as far as the imagery, and then what did you think and expect your experience was going to be like versus the reality of it? What was your experience? So. I guess, um, first and foremost, I didn't really have a plan when I was leaving high school. Uh, I played basketball, and I was – they always set up, like, right by our gym. So after practice, um, I would see them, and they're, you know, doing that whole recruiter thing. Like, hey, man, you want to do some pull-ups? Oh, what are you doing after uh, high school, this and this? And, like, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, you know, like, he's dressed, like, really well. Compared to like the southern person over there that's in the navy, like I don't want to be Popeye the sailor. Like no offense to navy guys, but yeah, those yeah. dressed whites are not it. Yeah. Um. So like first and foremost, just like the way Marines look, like they just they look very professional. Right. And then you know you see the commercials, the motivating little, uh, the few the proud Marines, mm-hmm. and no one in my family's military at all. So I'm. I'm the only one. My uncle did like a little bit of reserves time. Mm-hmm. I forget. I forget his story. I should have asked him one day, but it was only for like a year. So I don't really consider him military because he only did it for a year. Right. Went to basic training for the army. Went through his MOS school, and that was pretty much it. Right. Um. But when I walked in the recruiter's office, I just I did it unexpectedly i guess mm-hmm. um i was just driving around and i was like you know what i'm gonna go talk to these guys like i think that one recruiter that kept making me do pull-ups for free shit uh he got in my head <laughs> and i'm just talking to them and that they were like i, I always had this thing for business mm-hmm. so you know just the way they, they carry themselves their, their marketing schemes and everything like i, I love business and the moment you step into a Marine Corps recruiter's office, it's just like everything draws your eyes. Like you see the blood stripes down the line. There's a pull-up bar. Like why is there a pull-up bar at every single Marine Corps recruiting station? It's like the Marine Corps is just known for pull-ups and just being fit. And I don't know, again, that's, that's my competitive edge. Like if I'm going to join the military, I want to like, be the I want to be a Marine. Like we are, I want to be the best. Come to find out. Come to find out. You know, the, the army is just as hard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it was just the Marine Corps just kind of putting their their junk on on the table. You know, saying like, "Hey, you know, we're Marines. We're the best of the best." And I kind of wanted a piece of that action. Yeah. No. I, it, that that's pretty much what struck me. To be honest, I mean, when I first started seeing the commercials. Um, I remember the the most famous one was like, you, uh, you it's a normal just like a normal dressed dude and he 
he's walking along and then out of nowhere um i can't i can't remember the commercial off the top of my head but at some point he gets engulfed in a flame and at and he emerges from this flame in his dress blues in his class A's. Oh, with the with the nco sword yeah with the nco sword <laughs> and then the dragon and i'm like that is that is insane that is cool what is what is that you know what i mean and after seeing the the usmc insignia you know the eagle the glow the anchor and i i had thought that that is amazing like i i know what that is that is the obstacle to to go through that is a challenge you know that is that is the goal the minute that i saw that and like my expectation was pretty much what you said i when i saw the um the outside of the core i had expected like a really professional and organized you know organization that would essentially help you develop yourself and and myself into this you know fine-tuned and and adjusted disciplined adult you know what i'm saying um the reality of it was the exact opposite of that oh yeah <laughs> you know there oh, was yeah. there was there was a lot of you know because i i didn't enlist straight out of high school i i did a couple years at college first but uh, by the time i had enlisted i was 19 or 20 and i didn't turn 21 until my first year in um but the reality of it was like really belittling of me as an individual you know and uh throughout the schoolhouses so since i was in avionics technician um i had to go through two uh trainings so we had to go well david and i both had to go to the baseline which was you know uh power and theory for avionics and electronics so we went to uh a naval air station in pensacola and that's where most of the military branches actually went to to get their training in aviation whether it was structures mechanics you know that that was where you got sent to to get your baseline depending on i wish i stayed there yeah right it was a really good it was a really good base dude oh my god but um you know from from the squad bays of camp pendleton to these almost hotel like buildings of of naval air station pensacola of nas pensacola it was it was such a huge change because it wasn't a marine corps base it was it was a navy base and you know i was just amazed because you know I'd, i'm pretty sure those buildings had been there for a while and yeah they probably just got renovated or i didn't look too into when it was that base was put up but it was a nice nice installation really um yeah my, my buddy got to stay actually Oh, uh, he was what was it called M M A M A T C or something like that? Oh, the air traffic controllers. Yeah, he got he got to stay, so he stayed in Pensacola. It was kind of like the whole Japan deal, where you go to Japan for a few years and then you finish the rest of your contract in state. Mm -hmm. I guess like they do the same thing for M A T C. Wow. So he stayed there for I want to say two years, and then he actually went to Beaufort, where I was stationed, mm -hmm. basically Paris Island. Yeah. Um. And I saw him, I was like, dude, like, where you been? How's it going? He's like, dude, I was in Pensacola. Like, I'm telling you, man, if you ever go on vacation, you got to go to Pensacola. 
I was like, dude, I was there. I know Pensacola was pretty cool. Yeah, He's yeah. like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like when you're not restricted to the the baseline and yeah. the guidelines that we had when we were there as students. Right. He's like, it's it's like t- my top ten favorite places now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah no. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. No. No. Definitely. Um. But before we get into that, like, just to finish, like the 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 training, like, like structure. So we, we both went to Pensacola for a bit, um, depending on, on where it was that we were heading to next, like we could have stayed. Um, and that job that we were just talking about, the air traffic controllers, they actually had it pretty fucking rough, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he was saying that he was doing, but it was basically what I said earlier, where when there's downtime, that's fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of it. So they PT'd a lot, man. Like he he has some buddies that are drones, you know, infantry guys, and he was PTing more than them, which is kind of surprising to say. Plus, like that's not an easy thing to do, you know. You're that guy in the tower, being like, "Hey, whatever the code is for uh, jets and everything." Obviously, not ATC, but you're guiding people's lives in the air. So I would only imagine it has to be pretty pretty hard <laughs> like, oh yeah because you're 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 essentially directing and you're guiding like air vehicles that cost billions of billions of dollars for the you know for the united states so i could imagine that those students were put under a lot of pressure but also being hard pressed to you know train and handle that type of pressure so i mean they're their schooling and their uh, training was a lot different from ours. Like ours was really um, classroom based and theory based, you know, and, and what we learned was, you know, how how to measure voltages and currents with like a calculator, how to recognize a certain type of circuit, um, understanding the principles of what, you know, uh, a resist a resistor would do to a circuit to affect, you know, uh, the the output um a voltage or current in that circuit and you know things like that and i'm probably wrong on that last bit but you know it's been a while since i've actually had to study like theory i've i've been doing nothing but practical application oh um, yeah it's basically learning like the barney style version of electrical engineering just like the basics of it yeah yeah and it was it was cool don't get me wrong it was it was actually really cool to to get that type of training in the military you know i i wouldn't have expected like it was weird going to a classroom in in you know this is back when deserts were allowed but in in your deserts going to a classroom and just you know listening to your instructor um my instructor was sergeant smith and he he was a really i mean I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later, but he was, he was a great, great mentor, great teacher. Um, but it was, it was looking back, it was really like weird, but in a good way to be have having done that. Like, like I was a student, but I was also a Marine, but I was learning what we were learning was just, you know, not something that a lot of people study. And I mean, yeah, we, we chose it for our job in our contract, but it was, I thought it was pretty cool. In, in hindsight 
I, I kind of chose it, not really. The the recruiter got me. Recruiter games, man. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, that's. You know, dude, when I when I took my ASVAB, I got a high enough score for like intelligence, um, and like a bunch of other stuff. But the one that caught my eye was military police, and you know, because I always wanted to be a cop. You know, and I thought, okay, that's that's something that I should probably go do. And the minute that I had asked about how that job was, um, my uh, my my recruiter, the the commander at the at the recruiter, was like, oh no, you don't want to do that, dog. You want to do something that that uh, you could take outside of the military and and you know and invest yourself into, you know. And I'm gonna be honest with you, everybody in in the corps fucking hates military police and i thought about that for a second and i thought all right maybe he is right maybe i want something to to take out um later on and so i i went with avionics tech because it just it sound it sounded interesting i didn't know anything about avionics until then and that's how he got me with with my mos i mean i i got fucked out to pmo dude i was a military police for seven months six seven months how'd you like that um i mean it was a good break from my normal job but i don't know i would much rather be a canine handler just because i don't know it's just it's badass to have a dog that can sniff out drugs you know yeah but i mean i'm glad i did it because you know if i decided when i got out before if i was gonna go be a cop like I already got OC sprayed. I'm taser qualified. I'm I'm qualified for everything. I just have to do their little, uh, what is it like county? I guess. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have to do like their little testing. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you know I'm out, I'm out of turret and I can pass for PT and yeah. I can shoot M9 or whatever they're using at that county. Yeah. But I enjoyed it, especially because I got promoted to corporal while I was in PMO. Yeah. And my um my lieutenant really liked me in there so he let me ride around in the police car mm-hmm. and i wasn't always stuck at the gate which the gate sucks being a gate guard is trash no one wants to do that Constantly. you just you sit there and you, you, get, you get fucked with a lot <laughs> can i see your id can i see your id please this is like yeah they don't um, they don't look like they have the most fun <laughs> No, it's even worse when you're on Paris Island mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a graduation. Yeah. You have this massive list of like 300 names and, they're, you know, they're all cleared because they went through their own, um, uh, I forget the name of the system. Wow. But, you you know, you have to make sure you're good. They run your license registration and all that. Make sure you're not a felon or anything. You're able to go on a military base. Yeah. And I'm sitting there searching for somebody's name and getting yelled at because i'm going too slow but oh god man it's, it's really hard to find an ashley smith when there's like 400 of them <laughs> <laughs> so no but i don't know it was a love-hate relationship but same same thing with baby on i hated it but at the same time i loved it i i mean i i enjoyed it like the reason the reason i went with avionics essentially was you know I had asked uh, my recruiter because I saw it at some point in a commercial 
I asked my recruiter, hey, how can I be a, like a door gunner for helicopters? Like, what are the chances of that? And I, I mean, I was younger then and I should have thought about it better now. He's like, yeah, man, if you go with this MOS, I can get you to be a door gunner easy. All you have to do is, is get the quals and and go to the school and, you know, boom, you're a door gunner. Simple as that. And I thought, you know, I mean, as someone who was going into the recruiting office and had no idea what the fuck was really being <laughs> discussed i'm like yeah this this is perfect i i will gladly choose to be a 6300 and man i god i didn't i don't regret it because i understand that everything also happens for a reason and you know oh, sure. I, i'm i'm not playing things off of like a certain faith like if you believe in a god if you believe in, in a religion whatever um I believe in taking what you can out of whatever scenario because that that essentially that's the biggest takeaway that I took out um, from my time being a Marine, you know, like adapt to the situation, take what is useful, you know, get rid of whatever it is that's holding you back and, and, and weighing you down, you know, like you, you need to survive. And when you survive certain periods of time in your life, whether it's like financial hardships or breakups or loss of a friend or family or change change of job or scenery you know you adapt to those situations and you keep you turn that survive switch to thrive and i mean i'll be with i'll be honest completely honest with everybody else and i don't think if i mentioned it to you at some point either um i was discharged from the military for you know medical reasons i um, I was diagnosed with depression at one point and I didn't even know about it. I didn't know what was going on. Frankly, you know, it was, it was something that I was, I was aware that was happening, but it was also something that I felt as though it was completely out of my control, you know? And I think that's an aspect of the military that a lot of people neglect and we joke about, you know, and, and Albeit we joke about it in really inappropriate ways, but you know, mental health, like we, we don't take that seriously enough and we're kind of jumping topic to topic here, but you know, I think this is something that really should be talked about more often than not because it, it constantly gets ignored. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, man. I would, I'd be down to do a whole episode about mental health and just depression and the things that really go on in the military because it really does get overlooked yeah um i don't want to go too far into the topic right now but like i know uh, another marine that he just didn't seem right and you know no one really knows if they're that depressed mm -hmm. like you said like you didn't even know what was going on you're being discharged from the military right but like this guy um he ended up taking his own life in the bears mm -hmm. and this is the same guy where you'd see him in the smoke pit you know offering you a bud light shooting a shit like hey man how's, how's it going bro you know yeah and little did anyone know like he was he was really mentally struggling and yeah i forget the numbers but the numbers of military suicides is way higher than actual deaths in war yeah which is it's really sad man like you know we go through a lot of stuff and the war that's not one is the one at home the one in our head and it, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it definitely sucks. Yeah. But we should definitely do a, a whole episode on that because I could I could talk for hours on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. You you and me both. Um. So like to kind of get back to to the whole rail uh, like the um, on track of like MOS and everything. But I just wanted to to bring that up now because, you know, it's it's something that is it's it's me you know what i mean like i i have a hard time talking about it to um to people in general but when it comes to other marines when it comes to other vets or service members like i i don't i don't tell them that aspect because i know exactly what they're going to say you know oh you got out because of depression you're you're a fucking weakling and the thing is you know we're constantly being told by leadership, you know, if you need help, get the help. I went to get the help, and then I got, I got blacklisted from everybody for it, you know. Um, but at that point, there was a period of time where I didn't even call myself a Marine, you know, um, when I was transitioning out. Um, like, the title to me felt like it, like I was unworthy of it. And to some, that's probably true you know, um, to a lot, to a lot of people who did finish their term or they went and did more or they were going through similar circumstances and they overcame it their own way, they'll, people will definitely blacklist me, you know, but there were also a good amount of people, good amount of Marines who came forward to me and they said, Hey man, no matter what anybody tells you, you earned that title. It is yours. You cannot throw it away. It cannot be taken from you. You know, nobody on this earth is worthy of stripping that title from you. And it's it was earned with your blood and sweat and tears. And, and for, for a second, I didn't believe that. And after a good while of denial, I was just like, all right, you know what? This shit is mine. I, I earned it. You know, I'm not going out the way that I wanted to be going out, but... You know, I going back to that whole adaptability thing, like I, I took what I could from the situation because at, at by that point, when I got my paperwork, it was out of my hands. You know, it was it was recommended by a naval psychiatrist. There was no way that I could have argued that, you know. Um, so that's why I said, like, it was it was a good thing that I chose the MOS that I did. Because after I had gotten out, I ended up getting getting a job in aerospace for um, for defense companies, you know, and I got myself better. I I changed aspects of my life that helped me improve a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, now I work for you know one of the most recognizable defense contractors, um, leading in innovation and contributing to national defense and that's in a way like it and other veterans who end up working for the same company say the same thing like in a way it's it's us still serving but just in a different capacity you know and but yeah as far as it being like a a whole episode on its own like yeah we 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 should talk about it because you know um i think it's it's way way understated and and not not mentioned about Sadly, it's it's a little overlooked too, honestly. Yeah. But, um, oh. so what what company do you do you work for? It's not Raytheon or Boeing, right? No, I work for I work for Lockheed Martin actually. Oh, Lockheed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
same same thing. Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, it's it's all it's like comparing it's like comparing Whataburger to In and Out. Like Northrop Grumman is uh, Whataburger, and then Lockheed is In and Out. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, don't tell me you like Whataburger, please. So the only time I've ever had Whataburger was. I wanted Pensacola, actually, by Pensacola Mall. Same. And um, not going to lie, I was pretty hammered every time I got it. Oh, my God. So everything's good, you know, when you're hammered. Oh, yeah. In and out, that was my first meal after boot camp. Uh So I, my wife from the West Coast, like, I'm I'm an in and out fan, but I just haven't had it enough. Either one, honestly, to really debate this. Yeah. Well, yeah, but. For anybody else, what's, what's it called? Oh, what's up? What what's that? Uh, their sauce called? It's like the something animal sauce. Oh, animal style. It's like Thousand Island yeah. sauce. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's uh, good. Their animal style fries are dope. Really. Yeah, my my buddy when we ate that meal, he was like, "Hey man, I know you're from Chicago, but you got to get this animal style burger, animal style fries. <laughs> Everything was animal style." Cause it's just it's just that good, animal style. But fuck, <laughs> we're talking about food, and I'm like going on a cut. I'm going on a cut right now, and In and Out is the last thing I need on my freaking mind. Like, I think oh, that's awesome. Huh? What's up? No, go ahead. No, I'm I'm healthy bulking, so like I feel it. I'm just eating nothing but like lean ground beef and rice and chicken. So. Oh God, dude! In and Out four by four uh, protein style. So like. You know, the next time we're, you're in California now, you're not in California. You're in Georgia. Yeah, I'm in Georgia. Yeah, whenever you come to California, man, we're going to go to In-N-Out. And so their 4 by 4 is like it's four patties stacked on top of each other. But if you get a protein style, it, instead of buns, they wrap it in uh, lettuce. So it's like a lettuce wrap. So it's like a little healthier? <laughs> it's like... It's like... <laughs> it's like... Just a little. It's like... Five percent healthier than your average burger, but but yeah, it's it's pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm I'm down for it. Yeah, man. I mean, I've never, frankly, I've never been to Georgia either, but I constantly hear about it, and um, I hear they have nice uh, iced tea. Actually, I don't know if you had their their iced tea or their sweet tea. I for, I forget what it is, but like my uh, this guy from work came from Georgia, and he he was. <laughs> I don't want to say hick, but like you know, he was he was southern. You know what I'm talking? Oh yeah. And he'd be like, sweet tea. Let me get some of that sweet tea, there, boy. You know. Um, and no, that is true. Yeah, no. Do people talk like that over there? Oh yeah. Oh fuck. All the time. I literally just came back from Walmart, and uh, you know, it's it's also very proper down in the south, and I, I'm starting to like climatize uh, to the south, not you know like actual climate, but just how I am as a person because I'm, I'm from a northern city. You yeah. know, I, I say certain words certain way. I say like coffee and hockey, you know? Yeah. Like I'm from Boston, but like everyone's, I go to Walmart and they're like, oh, sir, come come over here, right here. I'll too, I'll too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you go to Chicago and you're in Walmart, they're like, hey, asshole. Dude, like get the hell out of my fucking store. <laughs> like, <laughs> they get so mad. Oh, but no, everyone's so nice here, and I guess that southern twang really grew on me because of being stationed in South Carolina, then 
living um, here in Atlanta, I mean, I wouldn't really consider Miami the South, but you definitely see a lot of tourists coming from Georgia and a little more northern Florida. Yeah. I love it here. Uh, I mean, I like I liked my time in Pensacola, even though I can't really recall everything off of the top of my head. I do remember all the people there were a lot... I guess nicer than than people in especially in fucking Los Angeles, dude. Like people, people in California, people in in LA, you know, everyone's just so freaking conceited. It's it's very rare to meet genuine, you know, just just chill people. Like people will look at you and judge you based off of like the type of shoes you wear or how you dress or what you say, how you walk. I mean, you you face that literally everywhere that you go in life but in LA I think it's a hundred percent highlighted you know what I mean like I went to I went to the mall and um for those of you in LA I went to the San Fernando mall uh or sorry the Topanga mall in the San Fernando valley um and I went to Nordstrom to my friend's work and you know um everybody there was dressed in freaking slacks in dress shoes, blazers, you know what I mean? Like some dude walked in into basketball shorts with, with like, with freaking Gucci, uh, <laughs> flip flops and like some weird patterns, uh, uh, socks, and a leather jacket. And I thought, how are you making that work? And people just people wore the most benign shit just to go to the fucking mall. You know, and yeah, you, you see that here in, in Atlanta too. Yeah. There's a place called uh Linux Square, like uh-huh. Linux Mall, which I'm, I'm gonna take a guess and say it's around like the same status as the mall you're talking about right now. Yeah, it's like a more like does they like every store is designer, <laughs> and that's that's how society is now, man. Like when I lived in Miami, mm-hmm. I found myself caring about like Louis Vuitton and stuff. Yeah, I've never cared about that in my life. Like, I if the shoe fits and feels good, like I like it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. That's how society is. They just. I can guarantee you that leather jacket that guy was wearing was probably like two thousand dollars. Probably, man. It's the only reason why he wore it. It's because it was two thousand dollars. I know, but he like he came in 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 basketball shorts. I came in like some some joggers and like a, a long sleeve and i felt out of place and i was like man you know like you you get a look from a person and then you could instantly tell they're judging you and i just thought like dude don't no, please don't fucking look at me like i, I don't <laughs> like I, I i came in here having a good day and then I, I made eye contact with you and now now it's just fucking weird you know what i mean even dude this is this is the weirdest thing even at the fucking gym, I see guys come in dressed super fucking nice sometimes. And it's just like, what is the point? You know, this dude is is doing fucking deadlifts with a, a huge ass gold chain in some in some fucking Nikes, some flats. I think they were Air Forces or something like the all white ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, Air Force Ones, baby. Yeah, yeah, the Air Force Ones. He's he's doing deadlifts and these things. I'm like, why do you dress like that for here, bro? Like you you straight up look like you're about to go to a hookah bar. You know, because he yeah. he busted out the tank top with like the 
the the thin shoulder straps and like it was fitted and everything i'm just like you straight up look like you're about to go to a fucking hookah bar right now which is insane because this is the gym you know Um, so i i'm working out at the ymca right now because they let uh active duty work out there for free mm -hmm. and i'm on leave so you know i'm just trying to keep my physique going and i i just bought a new pair of brooks or an evening for running Mm-hmm. But like these things are so comfy, and I'm doing leg day, so I'm about to go up to the squat bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oddly enough, there's this guy in a full Adidas tracksuit, <laughs> has just like you said, like a gold chain. This guy's wearing I don't even know what they were, but they just they looked goofy. And he's at the uh, at the squat bar, and in my head I'm like, this guy looks Slavic, you know, Slav squat, ha ha ha. And I'm like, hey man, like how many how many sets you got? Um, you mind if I hop in? Mm-hmm. He just like he looked at me and looked up and down. And again, I'm wearing these running shoes, which aren't the most eye appealing shoes, but dude, they're the most comfortable shoes I've I've ever had in my life. They do their job. And yeah, yeah and I'm just wearing like miscolored shorts and just a random t-shirt. Um, actually, a t-shirt I got from deployment. Mm-hmm. And you can tell like he's judging me like oh this guy uh you know he's not he's not wearing fendi or gucci prada whatever oh my god and he straight up was like no man i was like all right whatever i was like so how many sets you got he just looked at me again put his headphones back in and started squatting and dude why is society like that like what the hell is wrong with people now people i don't know man i've 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 started to lose my faith in, in humanity, really, because, you know, when, when people start doing that, like, and there's, I, I don't, I wouldn't even say there's a time and a place, like, you're, you're a fucking human being, like, what, what have you done that makes you think you're so much better than everybody else? I went to this, I mean, this isn't the gym, but this is kind of like the same thing. I went to go get tattooed once and um, the tattoo shop was right next to like a little taco stand and um, I went to the taco stand because my artist was waiting a bit for somebody else to get finished so I had some time to kill. Um, I go to grab a, like a little little bite and there's this there's this guy right in front of me you know and he's he's huge you know. I mean, I, I hate saying the word because I'm not trying to be demeaning of everybody, especially when I'm trying to talk about, you know, just being a fucking human being. But this guy was huge. And, I mean, his gut was hanging out of his shirt, you know. And, Needed some PT. Yeah, no, seriously, seriously. Uh, that's an understatement. Um, And so I'm in line behind this guy, and he's yelling at the uh, at the cashier like, hey, I want you guys to, you know, uh, he was he was ordering some really weird fucking shit. Like their their menu was right there, and he was like saying, "No, I want you guys to give me burritos, but with like the taco tortilla or whatever, or you know, add this topping, but I don't want to pay more or whatever." And he was yelling at the cashier, who was this, you know, she was this older lady, and she was, you know really intimidated by this guy because he's just being so fucking obnoxious and i chime in at some point and i just said dude she's just doing her job this isn't a five fucking you know a five-star restaurant this is like um, this was i'm pretty sure it was either del taco or taco bell and he looks at me and he's like oh i'm paying them my money you know what i can't get what i want with my money you know what 
mind your business. And I just thought to myself, like, oh, my God, this is there. There are people. I won't even say human beings at this point. There are fucking people like this going about thinking that this is how they can be. You know what I mean? Like nobody has put them in check. And like I, I call them out to, to like tell them to chill out. But he went back on his bullshit right after that. And I just thought, you know, this this is just fucking sad. And then I apologized to, to the cashier when I when I got to the window. I apologized to the cashier. And, you know, she was looking stressed out as fuck. And this dude is just like, as I'm ordering my food, this dude's just like crunching away on his hard shell burritos or whatever the fuck and he's staring at me while he's doing it which was really weird to say the least like he wanted to fight bro <laughs> oh my god no dude it's like it's like he wanted me to relish in the fact that he got his way and he was eating his he was adding to his fucking caloric intake and i just thought this is this is fucking disgusting you know i i ab- yeah. i absolutely hated it I can guarantee you if he was just like nicer about it, more tactful, she would have gave him what he wanted and probably would have hooked them up because this morning, actually, I'm going to Starbucks with my wife and I'm pretty sure she was a a new girl um, uh, at Starbucks and I'm ordering like this whole long thing because we're bringing stuff to her brother and uh, mother and she like messed it up like five times. And like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be nice and be like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. Can I get this, this, this? And she just like keeps messing it up. And then someone's mic went on. So it's like interfering with hers. Mm-hmm. And it was just a shit show. Like I'm trying to get like five drinks and it's just not working out. But like I was, I was patient with it. I was like, all right, whatever, you know, like I don't even have energy to get mad right now. <laughs> like I need coffee. Yeah. So I eventually like she gets it right and then I go up to pay and everything and she's like oh like thank you for being patient with me blah blah like we're just something's going on today you know I don't I don't know like and you, you must think it's Monday or something like that it says like a little joke mm-hmm. and you know I laugh I'm like oh no worries it's all good and she ends up giving me a free sandwich that someone like ordered and didn't want or something like that so yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, sweet. And then she gives me like this little car refreshener of like, <laughs> like this Starbucks thing. Mm-hmm. And like she, she hooked it up. Like I'm saying, if you're nice to people and not always like, I don't want to say, um, like you don't want to be like too nice to people where they just like push you around, but you right. find that happy medium. Mm-hmm. Like you'll, you'll go so much further in life. You're kind. Like, yeah. You're just, you're kind and you're patient. You have bearing, I guess. You yeah. some leadership principles in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, this is like a whole other episode in itself. Um, like I've, I there, there have been times where like I've, I just come off as respectful in how I think. Like when I was my first job ever was a porter at a car dealership, and part of my job was you know, bringing up a customer's car whenever they would pick it up for a service. Um, sometimes driving people home in like the company shuttle who, you know, they were leaving their car for a few days or like more than half the day or whatever. And I would always, you know, be pretty formal, you know, Hey, how's it going, sir? Have a good one, ma'am. You know, like, like, good morning, good afternoon. Like I was really formal and respectful in that aspect. And, um, you know, I, I, I got, 
a good amount of compliments uh, to my supervisor about my behavior and things like that. And then even with even with the difficult people, you know, um, like the 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 people who come in and they're all stressed out and and upset about, oh, my transmission is not covered by my warranty, but I paid for the extended warranty. But there's this complication, whatever, whatever. You know, I never, I never took that out on, on the people around me. Um, but you like, can't though, like you can't, I don't know. Some people just need to loosen up, like yeah. stop being so stingy. Yeah. Like, if, the world, world's not so bad if you look at it from a different angle, you know? Or if you just, you could block out all the fucking negativity. That's what's beautiful about it. You can, you know what I mean? Like. You know, I had this I've, I I had this really weird friendship um, with someone who who happens to be of the opposite sex. And I mean, th- yes, that could happen for anybody else like like questioning this. You know, it, it can fucking happen. What? No right. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, I knew her since uh, middle school, actually. And um, it's like we've stayed in touch for years now. And over the years, you know, she kind of got to the point, like, she got really comfortable with, with my kindness. And, um, you know, like, she she had a, a couple of uh, rough relationships that I was, like, there to console her on and, you know, just, just talk to her. Like, I was, I was a friend, you know what I mean? I, I was her friend, and I was proud to be her friend. At some point, though, you know, like, anything... I don't know if it was because of the boyfriend. I don't know what it was exactly. Um, I I would just say things like, "Hey, you know, do you want to hang out? Do you want to catch up? Blah blah blah." Oh no, I um my relationship, like I'm in a relationship. I need to respect the relationship. I'm like, I'm not disrespecting your fucking relationship. I'm just asking if you want to hang out, you know. And I'm not asking you to fucking marry me, God forbid, you know. But um, and then. Like, our friendship took this weird turn where, like, there were months and months of silence, and she would only reach out to me when she was in a hard place. And I didn't like that, you know? I didn't like being a convenience to to people, you know? Like, yeah, everybody's got their own thing going on. Everybody, Everybody is an adult and has responsibilities, sure, but when somebody matters to you, when something matters to you, you make time, you know what I mean? Like, how many times have you made an excuse for yourself for something that, like a like a commitment, like just a little thing, like, oh, it's raining, it's raining outside, I don't think I'm going to go to the gym or I'm not going to go for a run, you know what I mean? People literally pick and choose what is important and what is worth effort to them. And at some point, I became not worth the effort to this person. So I was like, all right, fuck this. I'm I'm not I'm not going to associate myself with this anymore, you know? And I yeah. I completely cut that person off and she hits me up today and she's like, I can't believe you're ending our lifelong friendship over nothing. Blah blah blah. I hope you have a happy holiday and I just thought like I didn't even respond. I didn't respond. Because at that point I realized that this person was having a negative impact on my life where I'm constantly giving, you know, pieces of my, my, my compassion, of my kindness, of my patience to, 
you know, somebody who didn't really appreciate or value that. And they just thought it was going to be there all the time. And the minute that I take, take it away, they're like, you know, what the fuck? Yeah, that just really shows <clears throat> that you're the adult and that she just, like, you guys probably had this great friendship and everything. And she met this person and I mean, they were in a relationship and he probably got jealous and everything. But like you said, you really pick and choose what matters to you in life. Oh, yeah. And that just goes to show, like, who's the adult and who's not, who's still learning. Yeah. But, yeah, like, if you don't want to go for that run because it's raining and you don't look at it as in, like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to sweat today because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get wet. it's raining. Now, <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, you're just, you're not committed to that run. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, like, you know, I don't know if you, if you know of him, um, I've been listening to listening to a lot of David Goggins a lot, um, like his 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 speeches, his talks. And for those of you who don't know, David Goggins is a um, he's a Navy SEAL, um, and he has a really great and influential story that you know his experience. Um, he has he went through major so. One of the biggest things that I can tell you right now, he has like the, or he holds, holds or has held the Guinness World Record for pull-ups. And I think he did like 4,000 pull-ups in 24 hours. Yeah, this is the guy that wrote the book. Um, can't Hurt Me. What's it called? Yeah, Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. yeah. I, I was listening to it and I was like, you know, this, this, this man has like an incredible story that I, I, um, that I really admire that, that it's really inspiring, you know, and it, it's, it's real and it's down to the gritty, um, to that, you know, it's, it's not acknowledging the negativity around life, you know? Um, but let's see, uh, we're at, we're at 53 right now. We're coming up to an hour pretty soon. <laughs> Man, this was a this just flies by. Yeah, no, this is this is and this is this is something that I want to say too. Like to anybody who's going through these uh major periods of change in their life, you know, whether it's with the people in your circle, the people you talk to, don't make temporary decisions for or sorry, don't don't God, what's that saying? You know what I'm talking about. Don't don't solve a temporary problem with a permanent solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't really really go into depth. Like evaluate the people who are in your circle, and then you know understand and appreciate the people who are putting an effort. And if there are people who are putting an effort, but you don't want to give back some of that effort, just say, "Hey, I don't I don't want you in my life right now." You know, be be kind be be uh, compassionate but you know they might understand i'm very understanding when it comes to that you know i've gone through this fairly recently actually and that's something we'll probably talk about later and i'm sure more than certain that you got your own stories to share too but you know everybody's on this journey that we call life and i think it's all all up to us to really find our own way and and you know if you're not if you're not making somebody else's life better you're wasting your time. So any, uh, Good advice. any, any closing statements? I feel like I've been stealing the spotlight from you most of the time, to be honest. 
No, it's all good. You're you're actually teaching me some things right now. Wow, shit. Talking about like like I've I've read the book oh, Can't Hurt Us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I should go over it again because it obviously impacted you more. Yeah. Um and I don't know, I, I catch myself when I read, I kinda just go go with the flow. Don't really absorb the knowledge that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for anyone who's like really listening, if you come this far, like we're doing something right, first of all. Yeah. But um, like if there's like any stories that anyone would ever have, like I think one solid goal that like if you agree on it is to have someone come like on this podcast in the future and like talk about the same things we're talking about. Yeah. Like, cause if anything, like people should really stop worrying about what people think of them mm-hmm. and just think more of like, what can you do for society and everyone in general? Yeah. Cause if you're not, if you're not really worrying about like, oh man, like my shoes don't match today, right. and you're more so worrying about like, hey, how can my shoes like better my run or how can they do this? And you just think more strategically and logically. Right. Like this world would be such a better place. Oh yeah, and that's that's it. I mean that's that's a light way of putting it because you you're really scratching on the topic. But um, for now, I think that's something that we'll we'll see for next time. Um, this has been episode two of Tip of the Spear. Uh, we will probably be, well, we won't be probably, we will be changing our name. Uh, so stay, so stay uh, updated for that. I hope you all have a great time with your families over the holidays. And anything else, David? Nice. Happy holidays. All right. All right, folks. Everybody have a good evening, a good holiday, and we'll be back.